The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode 106 of the MX Vice Show podcast, coming to you just days after the MXGP of Charente Maritime, a region in France, the region where Saint Jean d'Angeli is located, the historic French track that hosted round 17 of MXGP and the penultimate round of the 2022 series. Hard to believe that we have one round left because at this point last year we were on round five or something. How quickly things can change. You never know what life's going to throw at you. I'm Lewis Phillips, your host for episode 106 of the MX Vice Show. And before we go any further, I would like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition for their continued support of the MX Vice Show. Speaking of support, our loyal sponsors, Fly Racing, released their 2023 line of gear helmets goggles and just about everything that you could want from or in motocross because uh fly racing have maybe the most well-rounded product collection of any brand in the sport you can see that if you go to fly racing usa on social media or flyracing.com um you can check out the 2023 line of gear with new colorways which i personally believe are a big step forward a lot to choose from making a decision should be quite difficult for you so you might want to get on that quite soon. And while you're there, make sure that you check out the Fly Racing Formula Helmet as well, because they have redefined expectations in safety and performance. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the formula helmet from Fly Racing has changed the game. So yeah, a lot to check out at flyracing.com. I recommend that you go over there, maybe even now, while you're listening to this podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Lewis Phillips as I said, and uh, I would like to apologize for another slight delay with bringing you episode 106, but no more delays foreseen, so we should be good to go week on week from here on out. What a year it's been. Oh. With me to discuss the MXGP a Charente Maritime, as well as everything else that's been going on in the world, it's James Burfield. How are you? Good. I had a nice relaxing uh, two-week break on holiday. Um, yeah, it was great. I feel refreshed and uh, ready to go. That's good. I'm very happy yeah. for you. Um, also loving the uh, the new fly line. Uh, very, very nice. Some really good colorways, like you say, but um, I'm loving that gray. And the uh, there's also a black kit, which I really like as well. So um, black and gray all the way. Okay. Do you have any intention to ride motocross at any point? I'm all over it, Lewis. Um, I've actually got multiple, multiple... Um, 
cogs in motion. So um, I'm actually going on a on a Kawasaki Enduro test um, soon uh, with Kawasaki UK, Craig Chamberlain. So um, that's going to be uh, good fun. So I get a chance to uh, ride the uh, kind of cross-country um, Kawasaki. So I'm going to be doing that. And uh, uh, definitely, 100%. Um, I'm a bit rebuilding the, the 2003 uh, KX125. That's ongoing at the moment. So that's going to be up and running. Um, and also, I'm literally looking at a new bike and also a road bike at the moment. So I might, might, um, I might be treating myself to a Triumph Bonneville. Cool. Last of the big spenders, eh? Yep, yep. So, um, yeah, just just having fun. Two-wheel fun all the way. That's good. I'm glad that you are having fun. Um, and also, not so glad that this is the first I've heard of this Kawasaki test. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, lo- you love is, that one, don't you? As is par for the course. Yes. Um, speaking of par for the course, while we were gone, um, I appeared on Sewer's butt patch. Did that ruin your holiday? No, I thought that was um, really funny. And I definitely kept my comments to um, a minimum about you being on another man's ass. I felt so, like um, I felt like um, I felt like that might have ruined your holiday. No, no. Um, I, I, I thought that maybe you were you were slightly worried about the deathly silence of, of me not taking a piss. Why? Why would that ruin my holiday? Because you, you don't really like anything action. involving me. Well, I think what would have been funny is just like rather than the whole golfing, they should have just like blew up your head. Um, but I'm actually thinking about um, in Turkey um, because obviously everywhere we go, we seem to have um, uh, MX Vice fans. So I'm actually going to get oh, your yeah, head. Yeah, there's not going to um, be anything in Turkey. You never know. So basically, in no, Turkey, there's like I'm just twelve gonna... fans in total. So no, I'm I'm randomly going to go around and give out uh, basically Lewis Phillips face masks to people in Turkey. I don't think that's probably illegal in Turkey. I don't know. Um, It'd be funny, though. And also, while we were gone, me and Coldenoff are now best friends. So that's happened. A lot's happened. It goes what? to show just how much things can change in two weeks. What Are you Are you winding me up? Well, you saw our Twitter interactions. Laughing faces. Is it, told... Are you taking that as actual friendly jest, or is he just leading you up a garden path to then drop you? I would say we are somewhere between close friends and best friends. Well, I think you're in denial. I think that the grass has grown after a rainy day. <laughs> the sun has risen and the grass has grown. And yeah, I, it's, I great. Think it's okay. Cause what we're going to do is at the end of the year, we're just going to introduce Glenn to um, Lewis, Lewis's best Glenn uh, moments where we pull out all those little comments. It's very complimentary this year. Very complimentary. Okay. Um, is that because um, he's now doing well and he's winning? So now you're back on. No, nope, because I was complimentary at the start of the year when he was getting the odd podium and stuff. And I just call it as I see it. Call right. it as I see it. But the good news is with me and Glenn now on the best of terms, I officially have no one who hates me. So I am on a clean sheet. <laughs> what a turnaround. Because there were some dark moments this there year. There were some dark you. times, but I have I have now officially marked my sheet clean. All You're grievances a- move, move to one side. Um so all I've got to do is not fuck up through Turkey and I've made it to the end of the year with a clean sheet. You're like Jesus in the paddock now. We're just going around spreading the joy. There was one time where every, some people genuinely thought I was going to be run out of MXGP by L- teams or organizers L- or anyone. By team but, trucks, like aiming for you as you do social po- media people. post-race podcasts. But? I said um, team trucks aiming for you as you're doing post-race podcasts. Yeah. But, you know, you've got to keep your head down. Hey, keep working, fair play. Keep grinding. Fair play. Stay um, true to yourself. 
is my motivational message. Well, you've only got one more um, uh, one more uh, round left, actually. So, I mean, what damage can you do with, with, with one round remaining? I was making. Get out of this year, you know, scot-free. I did have a plan for Turkey, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen, But which is a shame. Oh, what's um, that plan? Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, so there's no point talking about it, but it would have been probably got me in trouble. Oh. Yeah, well, I don't I, think I've, I'm going to be able to pull it off, so... I've got some plans that you're going to love. I'm going to be spreading the love in Turkey, so um, I'm going to drop that on you the day before Turkey, possibly when we're at the airport, and you're going to absolutely love it. What do you mean? Like I said, it's a, it's a chance to spread the love. Okay, well, there's, there's all love for Lewis now. We're all it's all good. The, the sheet is clean. Um, I'm pleased for you. So while we were gone, obviously, uh, Tim Geiser won the world title, which we all saw coming from round three or so. Um, definitely not as climatic as last year. If anything, it was more of a oh look, it's done. Um, but most interestingly, is when he won the title. Uh, that was an opportunity for the pressure to release itself from his shoulders. Um, the weight got a lot less. And we were going to find out in France whether it really was him riding with pressure, which caused him to be less of a factor in the last two months or so, or if the others have risen their level. And I think France showed us that definitely Tim did struggle with some pressure and definitely there was some nerves and he definitely was playing it safe. But on the flip side, the others have equally raised their level. So I think that, oh, yeah, basically, it's a bit of both. And that's your that's your hot take. Well, no, that wasn't a hot take. That was me starting a conversation which you were meant to then say your opinion <laughs> for. Well, I listened to um, I listened to sort of po- uh, post race podcast. I listened to um, uh, the pod you done with Steve, and you, and you made a good point. And and you were, I think Steve said that uh, basically, oh God, you it, actually listened to that. Is it a case of? Um, you know, did you know? Is it a case of uh, Tim winding it down in, in Jeremy kind of you know taking the opportunity? But you were quite right in in showing that there was um you know he's 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 been there or thereabouts this year before that point. But um, the one thing I will say is I I, I generally even with even with Hurlins missing, I, I think I think again this is another missed opportunity for Jeremy where he, he could have took that championship. But the great thing is 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 hopefully he can take what what he's got now and and bring it into next year. Well, as an all new bike, so not much of what he's got now will transfer over as far as comfort, center, settings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, but there again, that could the be 20... a good thing or it could be a bad thing. Well, everything I'm hearing is that 2023 450 is a very good bike. Yeah, so... but that's always the case. And then when you get into it, some like the KTM. Um, at the end of last year, everyone was raving that it was going to be the best thing ever. And then as you start to push it in race conditions and find that extra tenth, um, some of the gremlins start to shine through, I guess. And then that's where um, you realize that, ah, it's not quite as sweet as we were predicting. But who knows? Um, the Yamaha is a drastically different bike, not just in terms of parts and internally, but also um, rider triangle positioning etc so that's that's something that should benefit everyone like sua said to me that after riding the new yamaha at the end of june he liked the rider triangle so much that he um made changes to his current bike to try and mirror obviously couldn't do it all the way but try and get a little closer to what he was feeling on a new bike which i thought was interesting and obviously again a positive first sign yeah very interesting um yeah all signs from from 
you know, everything what people are saying and, and reading is that the 2023 bike is 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 going to be a very very good bike, which is great news for uh, people who are out there wanting to buy uh, a Yamaha 450. Yeah, but back to Tim. Um, what are your thoughts on what I said about the uh, whether it's people backing down or the others raising their level? I like I say, I think it's a bit of both, which I guess is kind yeah, of a shit answer, but I do genuinely it, believe it's true. It is a shit answer. And and I think we've seen probably, um, I think we've both talked about it, uh, probably episode 101, 102, when we were just saying that you can, you know, when when Tim was was doing what he had to do, like a four for fifth or sit for whatever. Um, yeah, he showed that he could possibly win races if he wanted to, but why take the chances? All he had to do was do what he done, which was, the, was great, was literally... Uh, the the best kind of strategy from from that point to the end of the season is clinch another world championship. Again, I do think we've seen people like Coldenhoff. We've seen we've seen Jeremy. Um, again, like I don't mean to bang on Prado, but a little bit disappointed with what he's done this year. Um, I think he's going to be a little bit disappointed with what he's done this year. But you, you, we've seen other riders, and it's again like Bogers and and Vlander in this year taking wins. It's been a, it's been healthy. For, for the championship but going back to your question the answer would be you know it's a boring answer it's a bit of both but Tim's done exactly what he needed to do but at the same time we've seen glimpses again of Jeremy where it's like damn it, like like even 12 rounds of that it, it, it will win you a championship you know well, it's earn a on Jeremy is your points leader exactly and it's like we we we, we know he can do it that's the thing. I think so many people can see that he could be there or thereabouts for that for that championship. Not not a distant second. I mean, a close, you know, tie. I, I genuinely believe, even if Herlins comes back next year, I think the things what we've seen from Jeremy this year is is, is really exciting. But we just need him to put those 12, 12 to 14 ranks together, especially if it's a 20-round championship next year. Uh, Lewis, any news on the um, calendar at all? Um... Uh, early to talk about that, but sure. Um, I so there is something potentially extremely cool coming, and the aim to make that very cool thing happen is delaying the calendar. But wow. if this thing happens, yeah, everyone will be stoked. Oh, I like this. But okay. apart from that, no one knows. Um, I hear, well, obviously with the Super Motocross thing, we expect to go until the end of October. Um, I got told at the weekend, I hadn't heard this, but someone said, a team said they had heard they want to do a summer break similar to F1. So three to four weeks off in uh, July, August, whatever. Um, so maybe we start at a similar time, have that summer break and then go to the end of October. That seems logical. Uh, I had a call this morning where someone said they, they heard we're going to start end of March. But again, no one knows anything. Like I keep asking Steve Dixon if he's been approached about running a GP at Matterley. Yeah. He says he has heard nothing at all. So I don't know. And I've heard that Oman isn't going to happen until 2024. Damn. If at that... all. Um, Oman seems to be another one of those things that's just going <sighs> to end up never happening. And we'll all, in 20 years time, we'll all go, I wonder whatever happened there. Um, oh, man. So yeah, I don't know when, I don't know when we start. I don't know where we'll start. I guess if when like Steve hasn't been approached about running the first round and Oman isn't going to happen, so I would presume that we're going to start in Argentina. <laughs> Let, let's face it, Steve will get approached about three weeks before and he'll still do it. But, I, but look at looking at it logically, I would expect that we would start in Argentina, but then maybe not. Um, if the call I had this morning with 
uh, team guy is if that rumor's true and we're going to start late March, then if we're starting late March, there's no reason why we can't start in Italy or Spain or Portugal or like, you know, anywhere. Basically, if you're starting late March, you can kind of start anywhere and have a reasonable shot at a good event. So who knows? Um, it's definitely weird uh, not having a calendar yet. I mean, uh, this I, is the first year in um, seven years of us being at GPs that, you know, the norm has been the calendar, you know, Well, obviously, the, last year it was late because of COVID and everything. But. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, that was kind of extreme circumstances. But this year, is um, it's interesting. There, there's obviously big things happening, like they said. They're obviously wanting to make, um, you know, their position, you know, with, it, with the, the World Supercross popping up and everything else. I think... I, I think in front are definitely listening to what people think. They're listening to the teams, listening to the riders and stuff like that. It'll be interesting. I'm, my personal preference is that it starts a little bit later. I um, know uh, because that'll be a long off season because we're finishing earlier this. We're finishing earlier this year, so yeah. finishing earlier and then starting later. We're basically gonna have a year off. Yeah, but even mid March. I mean, mid March would be quite nice because um, okay, the the world is changing, climate's changing. Um, but again, it's like, it seems to be quite, you know, quite dry sort of from, from March onwards. And um, we were lucky with the British GP. So who knows? Who knows? Who knows what they're, what they're thinking? But obviously, they, they've got way more experience than, than you and me at putting events together. Um, yeah, but from what I hear, it's just this one thing that's holding the calendar because they want to try and pull it off. So we will see. We Ooh. will see. Um, yeah, no, but uh, back to France. Um, yeah. I do believe that although Tim won the GP, that GP belonged to Jeremy. Uh, in the sense of that, when I look back on the MXGP of Chalante Matter Time, I will think of that as, oh, Jeremy do- Jeremy was good that weekend. Like, I won't think of it as, oh, Tim dominated that weekend. No. Um, reason for that being, uh, Jeremy was third in the qualifying race, but second and a half a lap quicker than Tim and Fever at points. And other teams, competing teams, said to me Saturday night that is the best Stewart has ever ridden in his life. Well, fastest lap I time as well. With. Yeah, but it's a different, but it, all as a whole. Moto yeah. one, he led every lap, dominant, so whatever. Like, that's obvious, clear cut. Um, and then he said to me that he thinks the reason that suddenly the gap to others wasn't as big in the second moto. Uh, um, I, was I listened that, to this. Yeah, it's very cool was that Tim had sat behind him for so long in Moto1 that basically all of his tricks and everything had disappeared. And to be fair, as he was saying it, there was a very big difference between Tim and Jeremy in Moto1 as far as lines and stuff. Like, Jeremy was opening up his turns a lot more. Tim was going insides a lot more. Like, I would imagine for second moto, I'd have to rewatch to see exactly, but I would imagine that Tim opened up the track a lot more for the second moto, similar to what Jeremy was doing in the first um but that goes to show that the intelligence of what jeremy's carrying that he's able to see um you know you know at the front he's looking at his lines he's understanding lines he's he's reading the track you know that that's the intelligence that he brings is 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 insane and and the fact that others are following but they had to follow to close the gap in the second one I, i i've become a very very not because of the podcast or anything else but just just sort of racecraft in, in in what he puts into it. I guess it stems back to uh, the Against All Odds, the Monster Energy series, where we basically seen him creating, uh, literally going to France, buying a bloody uh, World War II um, American Jeep and doing it up. And, like, that's that's not just a standard thing. That's a lot of work. Yeah, um, on the flip side, though, that was Jeremy's day. Jeremy should have gone 1-1. So he, he 
didn't make he didn't execute that on the flip side so um on one side hit the best gp he's ever ran in his life even though he didn't win uh fastest he's ever ridden but on the other side uh he should have executed a 1-1 on that day as uh, certainly a 1-2 um but he couldn't get past prado who apparently unlocked his old mx2 tricks a little bit um which is interesting because I haven't heard those stories in a while, but Sewer did say that Prado was slowing down in ruts, uh, reading, had eyes in the back of his head that were almost unbelievable. <laughs> and every rider used to say that in the MX2 days, not so much nowadays. So it's interesting yeah. that we've kind of gone back to that, but hey-ho. Um, but yeah, no, uh, obviously Sewer has clinched second in the championship now as well. So first and second's done. Um, Sewer gets a pay rise for second finishing second which confuses me because when they signed him he was second in a championship so why would they put in a contract that he gets a pay rise for doing the same thing again that confuses me because surely they were already paying him the rate as a second place rider i can't get my head around that for some reason but he does get a pay rise so that's good and he says that his bonus for second place is very good not just okay good very good so there you well, go. interesting i i think back of earlier this podcast when we were talking about because it, it was a slow start for him this year and um, we, we were looking at the points and where Prado was in the points and, and obviously looking at uh, Maxime Renault because he obviously started very, very well. It's, it's been in, it's a really interesting journey this year. I know it's not been, as, it's not been the, the 2020 um, one championship what we had and we were all spoiled with. Um, but this year has been very interesting. The way that Jeremy's been able to literally, um, you know, literally come from, from like, you know, fourth, fifth, um, a few points down and stuff like that to to really reaffirm himself in in, in a very very strong second position in a championship. Um, I, I you know back then we we were talking like where where do we see him finishing and we we were talking about you know Prado's got this for a second da da da. da. We, I mean nothing denied us from from you know I think one thing we agreed on is that guys that had this championship wrapped up, but second third and fourth was definitely um, we we had a lot of conversations over second third and fourth. He, does it surprise you, Lewis, where Jeremy's ended up this year? No, because he just got the bike sorted out, and since then he's been fine. If anything, I will say this. Obviously, I know Jeremy quite well now, um, so I know his little... Uh, I can like, read him a little better than I could in the past. This is the first time when maybe not absolutely stoked about second in the championship. Like maybe now second in a championship is starting to get a little bit tired for him. <laughs> what is this? Is this like going to be his fifth time? Yeah, this is he's got it. So it's his fifth time. Fifth time. Five, five, and even more, even more impressive. Five times in seven years. Like, I mean, we've talked about the consistency and not missing GPs, but five times that's insane. Yeah, but it's for seven years part that gets me because yeah. five times in five times in a 13 year career. OK, whatever. Five times in seven years is insanity. Also, what's interesting, and I know that I feel like if people actually cared enough about MXGP to talk about it, then they should this should be picked up. The last three world titles that guys has had, Sewer has been the guy behind him. And there's something there. I yeah. think, because what does that say? That says a lot about a lot. I think, yeah, I, th I think there's a lot to that. I think there's a lot you could take from that statement. But obviously, uh, twenty nineteen guys are one, Sue a second. Twenty twenty guys are one, Sue a second. And now twenty twenty two guys are one, Sue a second. Um, we do have something interesting going on, though. Would you believe it? Uh, third in the championship, MXGP, four points separating. Prado, who uh, from Coldenoff, Prado has a position at the moment with a four-point advantage. And then Renault is 17 points behind Prado. 
not going to happen realistically. It's just not, which I know Renault will be pissed about because he came back from his injury with the sole intention of taking second in the championship, let alone like sec. He had his eyes on second, not even third. And realistically, he's probably going to end up fifth. Maybe he can end up fourth if uh, Prado has a bad day, depending on where his health is at. Um, And also, you know, Renault could go one and one in Turkey. It's very... It's not too uh, different to the Spanish GP track, so there is that. But Oop. still, it's going to be between Prado and Koldenhoff. And my take is basically, this all depends whether Prado feels healthy on the day. Yeah, and what type of Koldenhoff we see. Um, going back to Renault, though, like we we seen the blistering start he had to the to the start of the year. The the fact that he is fifth, um, and he's only thirteen points behind Koldenhoff. But what we have to remember is he 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 had a massive injury this year. He 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 missed two rounds. So as much as he's going to beat himself beat himself up about you know being fifth place, like you know missing two rounds and still being fifth and being only thirteen points behind Koldenoff, um, and and kind of like you know being seen as possibly the number three rider on that team. No, if anything, he's seen as the number one rider. Yeah, but at the start of the year, before it started. So he might have had, you know, um, dreams and aspirations of, of second in the championship. And like you say, like going back to our earlier podcast when we were talking about, you know, preseason, like, you know, jeopardizes everything because we don't want preseason. We want we we had an idea of what how Renault was gonna come in after preseason, but coming up to that, that would have shocked people round one. But I'm guessing that possibly everybody outside of what the team seen from Renault early on in the season, because when I spoke to Louis Vosters, he was telling me, you know, when they seen what Renault could do on a 450, it was scary. You know, they were thinking, the, where is the ceiling on this guy? We didn't see that until we obviously were seeing the first results from, from France. So I, 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 I think... I felt like that when I saw Ben Watson on a 450 last year. <laughs> I, I, I think coming into, the, coming into this year, possibly he was number three. He was, yes, he was a, a world champion on MX2, but Koldenhoff and, and Jeremy have been there, seen it, done it. For a rookie to come in in his rookie year... Um, he quite possibly could have been second. Um, but we have to remember he missed two rounds. I um I think Yamaha needs a hustle here because Renault also actually I, 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 I'll say this now because I'm gonna forget. Koldenoff hasn't signed his Yamaha deal. I've got that from two very good sources. I thought Koldenoff had signed a contract. Apparently, he has not actually put pen to paper yet, which I don't know why. But why? Yeah, because what other options has he got? All I can think is that maybe he won in Finland and then suddenly, because obviously he would have taken a massive pay cut from where massive. from his previous yeah. contract. So yeah. maybe he won in Finland and then now and then was like, well, hang on, like I, I'm not going to sign this yet because now I'm a GP winner now, so uh, I need more money. I don't know. That's the only theory I can come up with. But I have it from two very good sources that Koldenoff hasn't actually signed a contract yet maybe i'm but wrong but if I feel he like doesn't say that yamaha deal where, where else can you go well, nowhere so it's just going to be a money thing isn't it yeah um but i do think yamaha need to hustle here because uh, at what, the end of, uh, but in what way do you mean apply well if you let me finish i will please no, if you if you let me finish what i'm saying i'll tell you Explain i do believe that yamaha okay brilliant i do believe that yamaha need to hustle here because at the end of next year sua and Renault and Koldenoff, because he'll be on a one-year deal when he signs, they're all going to be up. And Sua and Renault will be chased hard. So, And, and you know Renault's going to get a pay rise. from. He's going to be offered way more money by other teams, so that means yeah. Yamaha will have to match him. Sua, if he has a year similar to this, the same. Um, yep. So Yamaha are going to... 
have to make some tough decisions, I think, and also work pretty hard to keep a team as good as this. But on, on that note, what I want to talk about is is from, from a business and money point of view, when you look at bang for your buck, what Jeremy gives you, you know, not missing a GP, five out of seven times vice world champion, the amount of t- just even just scroll down to like literally the stats on the TV about how many minutes he's had this year on TV. Like as a rider, um, you know, if, if you're putting money into a rider, that guy gives you so much bang for your buck. Like literally, like I don't even think there, there needs to be a discussion when you're thinking about what his worth is, because when you start to add all those things up, he he's so much value, so much value to any brand. And, and, you know, I think he could pick where he wants to go because of what he brings and what he brings is, you know, um, I'm going to be there or thereabouts. I'm going to be winning races. I'm going to be going for championships. I ain't going to miss a race. I don't know. Sewer will be, um, Sewer will be 29 next uh, when it comes time to do a deal at the end of next year mm-hmm. so i don't know if that if that impact has an impact on things um i know i know already there are teams who are eyeing up renault for the end of next year um so that's already going on honestly i cannot stress this enough motocross fans at the end of next year the only rider under contract is tim geyser shit and yeah. in america sexton roxon tomac webb Anderson uh, and others, they're all up. So basically, worldwide, there is going to be budgets flying around everywhere because worldwide, there is basically everyone, every team and every rider is going to be completely free to do what it, to go wild, down, like anything. And then add in Triumph, Ducati, and um, who's the other one? Triumph, Ducati, and. Um... Is there another one? Why do I think no, there's three? We've, we've got oh, B- Fantic. Fantic. Uh, tri- Add in Triumph, Ducati, and Fantic entering MXGP in 2024. Um, and that all, and literally, um, 2023 City Season is going to be absolutely insane. Okay, and, and add in just the, the, the other little things where you get extra seats, which is obviously the Beta Factory, and then you've got TM returning. Um, obviously not to MXGP, but TM are returning next year to um, MX2. So, the, the, Yeah. Who told you this? Uh, Massil- Massil- Massilimo. Um, I've been chatting to him this week. So, um, Who the hell is Massilimo? He's the, the TMT manager. Right. You, you continue to confuse me. Just um, so, so, yeah, they're going to be returning to, to MX2 next year. So yeah, another, but... another, two, another two seats. Hey, you can't knock TM. A really good bike. Really good bike. Really good bike. Really good bike. I don't um, think it's really relevant in this conversation. I don't probably probably not. But um, what I'm going to say is that there's so many opportunities. One question I was going to ask you is, um, do you see somebody like Renault who is going to be, you know, like a a Ferrandis model? Can you see him going to the US? No. You think he's MXGP for life? I think he believes that he can own MXGP. So I think he's going to try and do that. Um. Yeah. Weird when you look at the MXGP class. Sewer is 28. Geyser is 25. Prado is 21. Like a real m- weird mix of ages there. Yeah. Because I, I mean, kind of, I look at Sewer and Prado as being quite similar. Uh, maybe not. But I definitely don't look at it as Sewer being three years older than Geyser. No. And and like you say, if if if, if Sewer's coming up to, to 29 next year, um, when he's going to be... He will nego- be. Yeah, negotiating that contract. And what, Prado's going to be 22? When you start to look at... Uh, but there again... Um, 
I, I, maybe I've been too harsh on Prado this year. Maybe. Well, he's had COVID. Yeah, but may, well, maybe I have been too harsh on him. Um, Everyone has this year. But, but at the end of the day, um, <laughs> was well, he 21 on a 450? And he's been in the class, what, two years? Yeah. Everyone's been too harsh on him, but not me because I'm a nice guy. Yeah. So I look out you, for the youth. You, you have to put that out there because you have to like remind yourself yes, um, we do. The expectation is, and we've seen what Renault's done this year and stuff like that. And, but yeah, big things. I mean, it's going to be, well, I mean, Prado and Renault are basically the future of that class. Well, yeah, Prado, Renault, um, and then obviously Sewer and Geyser will be around for a little while longer. And you can guarantee that all of those riders will contribute to the winning world of Renfall because that's the one similarity that they all share. Um, talking about who's going to be dominating MXGP for years to come, one thing is certain, Renfall will. The winning brand in manufacturing and design for the last half century, Renfall continues to lead the world at the very top level of the sport. Amassing more championship titles than all competing brands combined, Renfall's records are unsurpassable with 239 US titles and, well, it says 232 world titles, but I guess now that's 233 for 471 major championship titles combined. Thanks to the hard work and dedication to detail, the Renfall factory has been helping world-class riders achieve their championship goals since the beginning in 1969. Um... Yeah, I'm still not there on Renault. Eh. What? Um, eh. Please please explain. Well, I wasn't really there at the beginning of the year, and to be honest, I'm not really there now. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, ain't, I ain't feeling it. Uh, I am. I am. Missing two GPs, 540 points, fifth in the championship, and 13 points behind Goldenhoff. I mean, obviously, he's been... Um, Better seven, than I would have thought at the start seven, of the year. Seventeen b- points behind Prado, who's been in this, been in the you know in MXGP for two years. Renault's we've already talked about in Renault's injuries. Like I I can't understand why you'd want to. I uh, yeah why eh. you still eh, yeah 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 crazy um, crazy. No, but on the flip side, Prado's obviously been dealing with um little hiccups with that new bike and he did miss around easy to forget and he has had her covid for last um the last month now so uh prado going 912 in finland is not prado like that's quite clear that no. there's some serious hey, shit going on there I, i've gone I, I went through 16 weeks of long covid and, and it's not nice and it, it, you can't even explain to people about how it can affect you fatigue wise so do you know what if that's what he's struggling with, then fair play for going out in a world championship and still doing what he's doing. I really feel like I need to, I feel like, I feel like I, you know what, actually, I want to talk about this. So I've been quite consistent on this podcast, um, saying that last year in the 2021 MXGP title fight, um, Prado was Hurling's biggest threat up until he got injured in Tushintal. Um, and I still say that now, and I'm still confident about it. Getting a lot of shit about that. Somehow that's now blowing back on me one year later. Well, when we looked at Prado, especially last year, the one thing what he had was his starts. So basically, he had the starts. He was wide enough that, you know, what Jeremy attests to the weekend where people couldn't get past him. So in his first year of MXGP, we see that he would get the starts, check out, and then it's for everybody else to catch up and try and pass him. That was the difficulty in Prado. And I think at times this year, we've not seen that. And I think that's, you know, in year one, that's what he modeled 
Um, that's what Prado was. And, and we've not seen that this year. Meh. Meh. Um, to send exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think Prado, I think Prado, I, I will reload and pick Prado again to win next year's championship. Really? I will, I will. That is brave. I will, I will file this year <laughs> under a difficult term and then difficult reload term. and go again next year. Okay. Prado Prado was incredible last year. You don't lose that. And Prado was incredible in MX2. And Prado is overall an incredible talent. You don't just... Okay, he's had one bad year. We've seen other incredible riders struggle with that new generation bike, which does happen. 2009 Honda comes to mind. So that does happen. He's also struggled with his health. The one thing... It'll it'll, uh, it'll come. Hey, the one thing I will say is in other sports outside of motocross, we've seen, um, you know, kids in the first few years, you know, literally define um, their profession by how great they are, you know, by blowing people away of what they got. And then we've seen quickly with lots of different variables which come in life, um, we've seen how that can change and they never quite reach where they were. So I hope, personally, I hope this doesn't happen to Prado. I hope that there's still more great things to come, which I believe there are. But again, that path with variables has a has a way of pulling down some of the best athletes, not just in motocross, but around the world in different sports. Okay. Um, yeah, but obviously, uh, Prado does want to finish third in the championship, so there is that. Like, you would... I would totally get it if a rider of Prado's level didn't really care um, because what is a bronze medal to him but there will be some money on the line there I'd imagine he's got a top three bonus yeah, absolutely um, and it's, well, and it's he, top three in the world it's, it's way better than saying I'm fourth and he has never been top three in the MXGP championship so it's still a good thing to knock off his list um, equally though uh, Koldnoff finishing third in the world championship would match his career best he was third in 2019 um and it would be quite a way to end a two year or to kind of like wrap up all of the struggles he's had on a yamaha and put those to bed so it would mean a lot to him obviously and again there would be a bonus there for him um i would imagine that he has only got top three bonuses too uh, I guess either either rider could have only a, to- a first place bonus. You never know. Depends what they would have uh, negotiated and agreed. But I'd imagine they've got a top three bonus. Um, you so would yeah, have thought so. Be interesting. Yeah, you would have thought so. You'd have thought that 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 top three is that, that's big for manufacturers to say that they've basically got a top three rider in the world. That's huge. Um, I am underwhelmed by Fevra. He's been back for two months. Uh, he's been back for two months. Not had a podium. He's won two qualifying races now, but he's not had a podium in two months. I feel like that's a lot of time, and I'm wondering what's going on. Am I being too harsh? Um, I think maybe a little bit too harsh. I think there's, um, I don't know, um, two, two, two ways to look at this. Um, he's probably come back from probably one of the worst leg breaks, which I've, I've ever heard. Um, and, and the fact maybe he... He might be telling everybody he's 100%, but he's, he's, he's not. We don't quite know. Um, the other thing is, I, I don't know. I've seen, you know, obviously Ben doesn't seem 
to to be having a, a very good time at the moment. And, and I don't know what that is. I haven't been at the GPs, but is there something there? Is there something not quite clicking in that setup at the moment that's not getting the best out of those riders? Well, Fevra's fast. I'm not saying Fevra's one pole position. He's uh, yeah, had two I'm, pole positions. I'm not saying that. But I'd say I'd say Fevra's not executing. Okay, so so it's you think it's more down to something's holding him back at the moment, whether it's no, I just think he's not it's... doing. I just think he's not. I think he should have been on the podium by now. I'm not saying there's a reason or trying to dissect what the reason is. I just personally think he should have been on the podium now, but he's not been fast enough. Uh, I, 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 I understand where you're coming from, but still, it, he was out for a long, long time. And, and to literally come back from where he is, I mean, what was it? Two, four, six, eight. He missed 10 rounds. That's a long yeah. time. No preseason. Yeah, but he's been back for back two months. He, well, he, he's had two third positions. So he hasn't had a podium, but he's had two third positions. So I think maybe yeah, a little bit harsh. want him to execute an overall podium. That's all. <laughs> so if he goes 1-1 one, one in um, Turkey, you're going to be happy. Well, no, just get on the podium. Like, if he <laughs> if he ends the season without a podium, then I think even he would say that is not how I thought this would go. <sighs> I think he's just glad to be back on a bike, riding at that speed. I don't, I don't think he, he didn't almost lose his leg. Like, Jesus. Yeah, I um, know, but it was a hell of a... I mean, the fact that he'd done it back in, what, November? And he wasn't back on a bike, and you know, literally until... Um, what was it, Germany? Yes. Yeah, Germany. What's that, Tushintal? What was that? No, because uh, no, Tushintal wasn't his first day riding a bike. Yeah, it wasn't. I'm not saying it was, but, you know, that's his first race. I mean, yes, you're talking you about... explaining that to us. Exactly, but you're, you're basically um, banging on a guy who is hit... You know, it's not like he's done a couple of warm-ups or whatever. He's not... gone straight into world championship. Yeah, two months ago. But see, I'm not talking after his first race. It's, it was eight two weeks. months ago. In eight weeks, he's not got a podium. Damn you, Fevra. <laughs> No, just and I'm here to analyze the races. Sure, yeah, I, I agree. Job. Agree, but um, what I would say is that um, you, you, I think maybe that this is where I'm coming from. You, you, you'll, you know, protect Prado, but you're banging on Fever a little bit. Yeah, just analyzing the races. Sure. Um, I'll tell you what. Actually, uh, little kudos, um, little kudos quickly. Yeah. Um, Vlanderin has. Ironed out some consistency here. Uh, he has become a solid top six, top seven guy. Hard pack tracks, sand tracks. Obviously, sand tracks. He's a little bit better still. Oh but yeah. The days of Vlandering going um, DNF eleven twelve <laughs> or fourteen ten yep. or something yep. seem to be behind him. So like little, I feel like that's gone under the radar as well. I I I, I gotta say, you know, a big shout out to um to I, I'm really really impressed with what Vlandering's done this year you know, putting it together. Um, but also you can't, you know, another, another person who we kind of, you know, we didn't know what he's going to come back as. And that was Mitch Evans. I mean, what every time I see him at the moment, he just seems to be getting better. So, um, you know, fair play to come back from the injury, what he had, which he didn't even know if he's going to be back racing professionally to where he is now. So, um, I mean, what, what do you think about Mitch is come back this year? Uh, we can go into that after a break. Let's go to a break. Okay, let's go to a break. Um, that was part one of the MX Fly Show, presented by Fly Racing, who have redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes, as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. 
Featuring Rion technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula helmet has changed the game. Thank you to Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. We'll be back with more MXGP talk, MX2 talk, only two points between Gertz and Vial with one round to go. And I think everyone's leaning in the same direction with their bets on that one. But we'll get into that and more on episode 106 of the MX Vice Show. See you in a bit. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. Prox Racing Parts supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the high-level requirements that all motocross riders require. Many of Prox's parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rayon technology, Conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 106 of the MX Vice Show podcast. This is part two, presented by Scott Sports. The Sufcon Air Protection Range from Scott sets new standards in upper body protection and offers riders a revolutionary solution to staying protected whilst riding. Constructed using exclusive D30 protection plates, the Scott protectors are low profile, soft and flexible to give you maximum comfort while riding. In the event of a crash, the D30 plates instantly go hard on impact, giving you the protection that you need when it counts. The Sofcon Air Range also provides a greatly increased airflow to the body. The breathable protection plates combined with strategically placed anti-moisture panels mean this body armor works hard to keep you cool and dry when the action heats up. All Scott upper body protectors are fully CE certified, level 1 or level 2. Protect what matters. Scott Sports. Scott Sports presenting part two of the MXY show, of course. Scott-sports.com for more. Head over there, check out what they've got going on. Obviously, much more than just goggles. Scott Sports covers a variety of different products, which um, 
could suit your needs, both mountain bike and motocross. So head over to scott-sports.com to learn some more. Um, just wrapping up MXGP quickly. Sure. Um, yeah, you wanted to talk about Mitch, didn't you? Yeah, it's fine. It's good. It's all... Um, it's it's perfectly acceptable. It's perfectly fine. He should have been on the podium by now. A couple of missed opportunities with mistakes and whatever. But the fact that he is showing the speed and the potential to be on the podium most weeks now, like um, he is definitely running around the top three more often than not is more than good enough. And that as if I was a team, that would be enough for me to sign him up for the future. Like I say, he has been good enough to get on the podium. So obviously... It would have been great if it had happened already, but there's no reason why it can't happen in Turkey. And you know what? If it doesn't happen this year, I'm sure it will happen early next year. Like, it's coming. It's coming. That's basically been the definition of Mitch's second half of the season. It's always been coming. We just don't know when it will arrive. Um, well, on, on that note, I've just got one more thing which I want to get your take on. Because, again, he's only, uh, what, 23? He could have been in MX2. Um, and Fernandez. Obviously, he's had a very, very good year. First time on a 450 uh, rookie year. What, what's your take on Fernandez? Do you think, uh, where's the ceiling for that guy? I'm eh, on Fernandez as well. I don't get it. I've said it before. Everyone thinks that Fernandez is the next Carmichael. I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't feel it. I don't understand. I don't get it. I want someone, exp- like someone sit me down and explain this to me because I just don't get it at all. But it's, it's impressive for him to be claiming third positions, multiple third positions in obviously his rookie year yeah i mean yeah i I like yeah of course but not really i don't know like i don't know i don't really i don't really get it i don't really understand the hype and the excitement like if anything i would say mitch and fernandez are very similar there's no there's no like certainly wouldn't agree with anyone who says fernandez is better than mitch Certainly wouldn't go that route. I could agree on them being similar, but if anything, I'd say Mitch is better. Um, so yeah, but a podium obviously in Latvia, you know, in his first rookie year is, is he's doing well. Hey, you, you, you can't deny that he's he's reached some very very high, you know. In, yeah, in and to be fair, year. he did before he got a concussion in Locket, he did step it up. He did become a bit of a consistent top five guy in France, Germany, Indonesia. Um, and he said he did say that he was trying to stop making mistakes and he was trying to become that consistent guy. So, you know, yeah, he was making steps. So the, maybe he'd be much in a better place now if it wasn't for the concussion and um the elbow infection or something that he had. Um so there is that to consider, but uh, there are, and I think Fernandez is a good rider, and he is deser- he is deserving of either the second spot on a factory team or the first spot on a satellite team. But there are people out there who think that he is going to be a world champion, and I am way out on that. Really, there's people out there who actually think he's going to be a world champion. Oh, there's people out there who think he's going to be the next fucking Caroli. Wow. Yeah, I'm out. I'm, I'm out on that. Yeah. Was this in a nightclub that you were discussing it? As they no, were? this is this is out there. This was out there last year. People saying that Fernandez is going to be amazing. There were people pushing when Kawasaki signed Monticelli. Uh, where would that have been? End of twenty twenty. There were people pushing Kawasaki to sign Fernandez to the second four fifty seat. Then, wow. There are people out there who are deep 
in Fernandez, love. Um, like who? I, I want to know who these people are. There's a lot of them. What, industry um, people? Team people? Yes, no, obviously industry people. Um, anyway, uh, nice to see Jonas get a sixth. I tweeted this. Jonas should be winning motos. He's good enough to be winning overalls. But So it's weird to say, but bloody hell. It's good to see him get a sixth place. Happy for that. Like, I never thought I would, after, like, you know, your love for Jonas, as we all know, um, you know, it's been a, it's been a hard two years for you, Lewis. I never thought you'd be so happy for a sixth place. Well, the guy needed it. Bloody hell. He needed it bad. Um, he needed something to get him to the end of, through the end of the season. Some glimmer of hope. And you know what? He is very good in Turkey. So if he can get comfortable, which at this point, who knows? <laughs> maybe he can podium Turkey. Also, underrated that he has been on the podium this year. Everyone forgets that. Everyone forgets that. Um, yeah, super underrated. Uh, but yeah, that sixth place was a step in the right direction after the lowest of lows, the depression, the, the most, the highest depression of depression. Sorry. Not even a saying, but um, yeah. Counting down to 2023 is Paul's Jonas. And we are all very excited for him to get a clear head and start fresh. It's going to be a great time. Um, Do you want to go to MX2? Anything else in MXGP? Beaten isn't going to Turkey. Um, Beaten got a ride for next year yet? No, um, not sure what's going to happen there. Um, I know that JWR, uh, or, um, he's come on their radar. Yeah, JWR are casting their net far and wide at the moment. Um, Guadagnini actually should say this because this is I felt I, this resonated with me quite a lot. Guadagnini said that um, he that people maybe forget that this is his second year in MXGP as a series, not the 450 class, the series. He only turned pro just over a year ago. Um, and that people forget that maybe he's not cut as much slack and maybe he forgets it too, but now he's starting to remember that and he's starting to realize that and maybe he is starting to understand his situation a little more. Which I thought, you know what? I was like, yeah, you know what? To be fair... I don't think of you as being in your second year in MXGP, um, so I I can I can re- I can relate to that and sympathise with what he was saying. So I just thought that was um, something worth mentioning. Um, yeah, Van Donick is doing well consistently. I I would bet that he'll be the second rider on Geben next year. I mean, um, the Guadagini thing's really interesting because I, I can just remember going back to that that infamous race um, with him in Benestant in EMX 250, where um, he finished at kind of second in the championship and he was doing everything he could to, to to win that championship. That was only two years ago, wasn't it? Two years ago? 2019? 20. 20. That's insane. Yeah, this is his point. He hasn't actually been a professional rider for longer than a year and a half. And he, no, it's... And, but because he's gone to the 450s and to be fair he has achieved a lot he had the red plate he's won GPs blah 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 and also interesting if you look at it at the end of last year he tailed off as well the last five or six rounds there were there wasn't much to write home about so um well he's still super young you know his body's still developing you know like fatigue everything is you know I, yeah 
it's crazy to think that, you know, he was batting out of Beniston for, for EMX 250 Championship in 2020. That's ridiculous. And literally, what, he's had a year and a half in the pro ranks. Mental. Um, ben Watson is on to 2023. We're all excited for him to have a fresh start too. Jonas and Ben, just two peas in a pod in that respect. Where will and... Ben be having his fresh start? I don't know. Lewis Phillips racing? I don't know. Um, and... It sounds like Jeremy Van Horbeck is going to do the nations still. So that's good. Some good news to end the MXGP segment on. Yeah. Um, I mean... MX2. Lamar just blows my mind in 2020 because... Okay, we're going back to that. I know, but it's just like, how quick can things change in this sport? Because Ben won his first GP, uh, MX2 GP at Lamar, and then a year and a half later, it's like, you know, it's all doom and gloom. It's not doom or gloom. Uh, it kind of is. It's not, been a, it's not been a great year. I I believe. But do you see what I mean? It's like how like this this sport or a sport at the, a professional level, that's how quick it changes. 18 months you can be, you know, everybody's talking about if you've got another year in MX2, you're gonna be world champion. Oh, we would have been world champion. Exactly. And then we're talking oh, like a year and a half later. Season. Where are we? Maybe a perfect season. Do you see what I mean? It's like this is it's just brutal. And motocross is brutal. Sports brutal. At this okay. level, it's brutal. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, MX2, two points in it. Gertz is two points up on Vial. Gertz has absolutely blown it so far. Will he finish the job in Turkey? I don't know. I was on Gertz before Finland, and even, to be fair, after Finland. Um, I don't understand. Is someone's someone's put a little pin in him and reset him to factory default settings? Um, it was good. It was great. It's now not, and he's back to his old self. And do I have confidence that he isn't gonna throw this thing away in Turkey? No. So yeah, I don't know. I I don't understand how he was going so well, so solid, so consistent, so blah blah blah, so fast, blah blah blah, and then. It's just like a shitstorm has risen inside of him. Um, but and it to be has fair, made the MX2 championship bloody exciting. To be fair to him, he was the fastest rider in that first moto in Turkey. Uh, in Turkey, in France. I do believe that. I genuinely believe he was faster than Vial in that first moto until he crashed. Um, I do believe that. Second moto, I don't know what happened. Just threw it away just went meh i i could go into the last round with a decent championship gap or i could hand some points over meh or hand some points over what um I'm, where where's your money oh it's on vial now i mean to be fair i've been on vial since the start of the season there was just a little period Beginning of August, where I shifted my attention to Gertz and was all Team Gertz for about two weeks. Um, and now I'm back to Team Vial with a tail between my legs. Well, you know, you look back to last year's Turkey um, GP and, it, you know, Vial was awesome. And then you look at Gertz, uh, you know, coming home with, uh, you know, what was it? Uh, eighth in a, was it eighth in a fifth, was it? Something like that? Eighth in a fifth. There were two Turkish GP. This is important. There were two Turkish GPs last year. Vial won them both. Gertz didn't get on the podium at all. That is important. I feel that is definitely relevant information. Um, it's it's huge. 
It's huge information because but Gertz as a whole was not good last year. So to be fair, as a whole, his entire season stunk. So it's not that surprising. If that like if he was off the podium this weekend, I would be surprised. I mean, if he washes the front end and finishes off the podium, I won't be surprised. <laughs> but um, I don't know how to. If you're Gertz, I'm not sure if he has emotion. So maybe this is a, a relevant point. But if he has emotion. If he loses his title, that's going to be tough to live with. I mean, because it was in his hands. He had a 20... What was his lead after Finland first moto? Was it 18 points? No, it was 26. 26. Because I'm pretty sure going into Finland, it was 23. And then the first, after the first moto, he bumped it to 26. Um, well, here's, here's something which I want to get you All he take. had to do was not screw up. <laughs> That was literally all he needed to do. The instruction was literally, he didn't even have to win a moto for the rest of the year. He just had to, if, if the Al won every moto, he could have just finished second. He do you know what he had to, to do? He had to beat him. That's no, all he needed to do. Up. Beat him. Tim, Tim gave you the, the, basically the book on, on what you need to do to win a championship. Um, one thing I want to ask you, and and obviously being the guy at the GPs in in, in ear to the ground and stuff like that, Benestant can play a massive part um, in this in this you know basically championship year end. Benestant's good in in Turkey, we know that. Um, do you think he's going to have? I mean, it, will there be team team orders? First off, my the most interesting thing here is a lot of people discuss this is underplayed. Beniston is a very good friend of Vial's. Maybe, I, obviously, I don't know exactly, but I would go as far as to say a best friend of Vial's. So, I don't know what he does. He he got team orders in Erne. Okay, that was the middle of the season, so different circumstances. But he ignored them, and f- rightfully so. Completely agree with him doing that. Obviously, the team orders are going to be a bit stricter for Turkey. I do believe that uh, Elzinger and Bonacorsi are going to Turkey to get some more Yamahas out there. If you're if you're Benest, if I'm Beniston and my teammate who I'm indifferent on is battling for the title with one of my good friends, in my mind I'm struggling to basically rob my good friend of a title. I'm probably taking myself out of it altogether and just letting them both go so that I can have a clear conscience. Just not getting away. Either take the lead and sprint off, or let them both go past and just remove yourself from the equation. Yeah. How? Another thing. How big is it with Vial winning this championship? How how big is it being a two time world champion and then going off to America? What do you mean? Well, how how big is it? Like he, he he'll be going to America as a two time um, world champion instead of you know you know one time champion, one time runner up. It, does this give him more bang, more exposure when he hits um, hits America fresh off of another championship? No. It makes no difference to 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 basically how he ends in you know how he ends up in in, in America. No. Zero. Okay. Other than he'll have a couple of zeros in his bank account more. Okay. okay. Um. This is like I say. The problem is there's no one passionate about this championship fight. Right. What about? How much of a detriment is it to Gertz being this far, being that far in front and losing the championship? And then you've got the rise of, of Beniston 
Everts. Um, Everts. You know, coming through Lagenfelder. I mean, there's a good chance that Gertz oh, might not. Do you know what I mean, though? There's a good chance that Gertz may never win an MX2 title. How crazy, how crazy would that be? A kid with that much talent being there or thereabouts, but still not winning a title. I don't know. I don't know if it's that crazy. I'd say it's crazier that Tommy Searle never won an MX2 title. Yeah. I'd say it's crazier that... Uh, so you're basically saying... Um, Gautier Paulan never won an MX2 title. Uh, struggling for Jeremy. names. Uh, yeah, Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy won never... Like, there's a lot of riders like that. It's not that shocking. Mm. He's not. He's not Prado. Gertz isn't Prado. Like, yeah, he's he he's been hyped, but he's been hyped as one day this guy will be winning GPs. Not one day this guy will dominate the sport. I don't know. It's it points you. You watch him and he's just unbelievable. Like that's because he's a robot. Untouchable. Yeah, robot. Untouchable. And then the robot still can't complete that championship. The robot has some crossed wires that causes defects. So this, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I would be surprised at this point. Do you know what? I would be I'm, surprised if Gertz wins the championship. Do you know what? I'm happy if Fiat wins it. I am happy if Gertz wins it. I, I'm I'm sat on the fence on this one. I think it's great for both. Yeah, to be a two-time world champion going off to America is absolutely fantastic. For yeah. Gertz to finally win that championship, I think will kickstart um, him going forward. This it will make him. It will make him understand you are a world champion. You can be this good. This is a problem. You don't. You're happy if anyone wins it. That's the same as every fan. No one is that passionate about this title fight and these riders, and that is an issue. Yeah. Um. But I would be surprised if Gertz wins it at this point. Also, I'm the one reason I want Gertz to win it is I'm curious to see what his celebration is like. <laughs> so. Interesting. Well, um, it, look, um, I, I don't know if, if Gertz is on the spectrum or not. I, I, I don't know. I don't know him that well, whatever. I, yeah, I probably should just stop talking there. Well, no, I, my, my daughter is, is autistic. Okay, yeah, so probably should just stop talking there. I, I'm just saying that um, you're okay, saying... what probably is, should just stop talking there. But I'm just saying that you're, you're basically saying, I ex- understand what his you know, celebration is going to be. It's, you know, people are different. We've had to express ourselves. Okay. Um, Gertz was very lucky to get on the podium. Tom Guillon almost got on the podium to make it a French sweep. And I do believe that France swept the podium at the 2009 Erne GP with Marvin. Loic Lario was third. Maybe they didn't sweep it. But that's, that wouldn't have been the first time it had happened, my point, mm-hmm. in France. Um, Guillon's um, been impressive. Signed for Fantic for next year, so he will be a factory Maddie Fantic rider in MX2. Yeah. Um. So that's good. Uh. More power to him. And yeah, he is. He is going to be. Um. He is going to be good next year. He will be a podium guy occasionally. Uh, and for those listening, the 2009 MX2 GP of France, Marvin first, Bosier. Second, there's a name, Bossier. How do I don't even know how you say his name? There you go. There's a name. Second, third, Loic Lario, another name, real Paul. And then fourth, Gautier Paulin. So, French GP, France swept for top four position. One thing I want to talk to you about with um, MX2 this year is just how not poor, 
because that's the the wrong word, but the the top 12 um, fantastic riders, but the depth of that class, the fact that you've still got... We'll get into that later. Okay, okay. But all I'm I'm saying is that you've got half of that class and not even in that class, but still like 12th to 14th in the championship. And they've not been there for the last eight rounds. Um, yes. Uh, Everts fifth. That's his type of GP. Um, so not a surprise to see him having a strong day there. He's still looking for his first podium. I don't think he's going to get it this year now. So that's a little, um, just something to live with in the off season, isn't it? Isn't it? It's nice to get something like that off your back yep. going into the winter. So you can start fresh, obviously a factory KTM rider next year. Uh, Lagenfelder was sixth, had two big crashes, I think, um, was a little cut up, could have, should have had a podium really if he hadn't crashed on the first lap of the second moto, he would have been third instead of Gertz, but still Lagenfelder's good season continues and he finished, he secured third in the championship with a round to go. Which is um, huge, that's huge. That's a success, I think, for yeah. a rider who had never been on, to never have been on the podium before this year. And then come in, and he'd never been in the, to be to have never been in the top five before in a race, and then come in and finish third in the championship. That's a, an all round success, and he will be a world champion here in the next two years at least. Um, Hawkmo seventh crashed in the first corner in Moto One. No clue how because there are only nineteen riders, so I feel like there should have been plenty of space for everyone to get through there. Um, Mostike crashed first moto, tweaked his knee, so wasn't sure how the second moto was going to go, but it actually went quite well. Uh, Harrop is <laughs> Harrop is feeling a little bit run down, so he's going to rest before Turkey to try and get his energy levels back up. Uh, DeWolf just didn't gel with the track and needs to spend a lot of time on slick French hard pack in the winter to improve that side of his game. And that's all I got for you on MX2. Uh... Let's see here. But still, I'm just so high on Lagenfelder. So high on Lagenfelder. Um, let's go into Liat Ask Vice Anything. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Okay. Um, good questions this week. Should be some good discussion. Um, and of course, big things coming from Liat coming up as well. Um Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve year after year, and that latest evolution will become apparent in... Well, it depends when you listen to this, but September the 1st. So next Thursday, Liat will be dropping their 2023 range. Um, So keep an eye on all channels for that. September the 1st, 2023, Liat drops. Right, questions. Um, Greg underscore Wilcox 28 any goss on the hurlings removing all of his KTM pictures off the gram uh, yeah I can say that um, well, I don't know if I can say but I think this is okay uh, hurlings won't be working with Ruben next year um, KTM I believe didn't renew Ruben's deal or didn't it wasn't really moving along quick enough so K uh, Hurlings isn't going to be working with Ruben next year, who is his man friend, basically looks after every single area of his program. Like man friend is the best way to put it, but trust me when I say that Ruben was in Hurlings program every single element of it. So that's going to be interesting to see what Hurlings does there for next year. Like how as in how 
is he as good without Ruben? Who knows? Um, Ruben's obviously got a long, um, a long successful history in the sport. Worked with Townley when Townley was world champion. Worked with Rattray when he was world champion. Worked with Goncalves when he finished second in the world championship, his best season. Worked with Jeffrey since he turned pro. Um, I think I'm missing a name in there. Can't think who it is, but still, that's enough. Successful. Um, and yeah, he won't be with Hurlings next year. So Hurlings is obviously struggling with that news a little bit. Um, George underscore Fox one. What seat will Watson be on in 2023? We can only pray, George. We can only pray. I will start a team if necessary. <laughs> I am not that, afraid. Now that I want to see. I am not afraid because I know that I would be rewarded with a world title in my first year. So it's almost a guaranteed successful investment for me. <laughs> yeah, honestly. I, I actually worry sometimes that you've actually been like, uh, there's some hardcore drug that you take. The guarantee, Lewis Phillips Racing presents your 2023 MXGP world champion, Ben Watson. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, is, um, it, is this on the, on the game that you sit down and play on your Xbox? We're not going to, we're going to, I'm going to manufacture my own bike. And I'm also in the process of registering Lewis Phillips as a country because Ben was left off of Team GB. So I'm going to register Lewis Phillips as a country and Ben will lead us into action. Is there even a Team GB? Yeah, it's going to be announced soon. They're struggling with the announcement. The PR guy from the ACU is on holiday and no one knows how to get around that. I announced it on my Twitter like a month ago anyway. So <laughs> it's not even really worth it anymore. Um, when, you, when you think of the French Federation... And then you think of what we got, and it's just like, for fuck's sake. Yeah, I don't think they're, don't think they're a big fan of me. <laughs> PR, PR guy is off, yeah. so... Sorry, I, f- I, I have a clean slate in the MXGP paddock, but um, yeah, they, they're not a fan of me, so there's that. Mm. Um, Maybe you can get a job in PR. Thomas underscore SB93, any silly season news on the EMX riders? Who is moving up, etc.? Uh, let me think here. Elzinger's going up. He will be a he will be the third factory rider alongside Gertz and Beniston. Okay. Uh Bonacorsi is moving up, and I believe they are trying to find a space with him for him within the Yamaha family somewhere. Maybe Geben. I don't know. Um but yes, they don't know. Uh, I don't know how that's gonna go, and I know he has fished around with other manufacturers, so I'm not sure how confident he is either. Conan Brothers will be on Diga. Uh, in MX2. And I think that's all I've got for you. Um, trying to think of any other names I'm missing out. Camden McClellan has been linked to Jackie Martins. I don't know how true that is. Uh, just heard the random rumor at the weekend. Jackie Martins going to MX2 only, I believe. Um, what, on Honda? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's all I've got for you. That's all I've got for you. Looking at the list. That's all I've got for you. Michael so Struick, 33. When will Calvin Vlandering get a factory ride? Well, not not in 2023. Um, this All I can say, because he is deserving, all I can say is this proves that once you're off the factory rider merry-go-round, it's very hard to get back on. And this is probably what a guy, I hate to say it, this is probably what a guy like Ben Watson is going to find out. So, well, I would do my very best to make sure that Lewis Phillips Racing has factory equipment in our first year. So, if Martins is going MX2, um, what's happening with Pacharel and Jacoby? I don't know. So they've they've got no rights lined up. 
uh, I don't know. I don't know how true the, Mal- the Jackie to MX2 thing is, but I heard it from a pretty good source. So mm. I just heard that he wants to clean house and start again kind of thing. Um, and also, it makes sense because Jackie's heart is in MX2, isn't it? That's kind of his bread and butter. Yeah. Um, Gapikovac, what do you think about Jan Pankar? I think he made a huge step this year. Yeah, he's made a huge step this year, but I don't think he'll ever get anything better than he has now because he's still quite invisible everywhere and he's also not consistent enough to really make to really like force someone into giving him a good ride so well he's 29 points behind Everts and Lemford in the championship um no Everts has missed a lot of rounds so actually that if anything that's a bad example of how good he's been okay but still Lemford in the championship in in MX2 not to be sniffed Um, at Brad Myers 22 what are your thoughts on Hurling's not working with Ruben next year if it's true it is true uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I, I mean, it's Hurling, so I'm sure he'll be just fine. But I'm interested to see if Hurling's get, works with another guy. If Hurling's is just going to go at it alone, like I'm interested to see. It, what, is there a chance that Hurling's could employ him himself? No, because I believe Ruben has already got a deal somewhere else. Oh. Um. No. And actually, I think I'll be announcing that. On the post-race podcast in Turkey. Oof. Um, okay. If you had a chance to ride any bike in a GP paddock, which one would you pick? Asked Luke MX. Luck MX. I don't know. I have no interest in riding a bike full stop. Um, I don't know, actually. I, I, I They would all just scare me. I think I, I, any bike in the paddock, I'd probably go with... Um, I'd love to... I'd love to... Um, just see what uh, Geyser's 450 Honda is like, factory Honda. Yeah, really, really get the most out of that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to ride that. Or, um, or again, uh, the factory Kawasaki, just because, um, obviously, the development, what the Japanese have put into it, because obviously being a bit, you know, Japanese coming back into the factory team, I'd love to, love to ride that as well. Friendly Giant, 93. Where is KTM's next talent in the pipeline? Is it the Conan Brothers or elsewhere? Well, it is the Conan Brothers because they're at Diga. But I believe that the Conan Brothers are going to try and go to America at the end of next year. So um, beyond that, I don't know. Maxime Grau is in the KTM group. He's showing some potential. Um, But yeah, apart from that, I can't believe nothing's really coming to mind. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Kevin Wonders, 45. Any changes on a Dutch GP next year? Last I heard it was possible. Um, I heard the KMNV are gonna are trying to take the situation into their own hands and make it happen. How successful that will be, I don't know. I would probably bet no Dutch GP next year. If I had to. But we will see. One day. Uh, Sam Pjork. UK MXON team, Dean Wilson MXGP, Max Sense, Max, yeah. Dean Wilson in MXGP, Max Anstey in MX2, and Tommy Sell in Open is Team GB's MXON team. Um, you'll find out as soon as in a year or so, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> After the event. Um, Xavier Wizowski. Maybe Mike Wazowski's brother. Like that. Um, Good name. Predictions about next year's world champions. I will go. I will go. Hurling's MXGP. Yeah. And Lagenfelder MX2. 
I would definitely go with both, but I hate to agree with you. Um, if that would have been my pick, if you let me go first, um, and then you would have been copying me. So uh, I'll go a little bit different, and I'll say Herlin's Benistan. Okay. Um, uh, Stevie underscore B nineteen eighty eight. What Brits will be doing a full MXGP season next year? Um, None. Well, hopefully Ben. Conrad won't be. Rizzy maybe. Oh yeah. Depending on if he stays at Riley Racing. Yeah. Um, Bobby Bruce, I hear, is going to do select European GPs. Okay. And am I missing anyone? Sterry potentially might have an MXGP deal. Um, I don't know though. The pro- uh, the- Bray- oh, go on. Yeah, I was going to say like the. It's 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 tough because I I can actually see next year there being maybe one British rider, um, like doing a full season. That's it. Scary. What, ben Watson on Lewis Phillips racing. Well, I think that's the only chance that I, you know, it, you know, from it, it will Ben be on the line at the first round. I will make sure of it, comrade. You know, if I, I have to steal a factory KTM, I will. It looks like yeah, it's like I don't even think we'll see Comrade in Europe. Is this British Macross? Oh dear. Braden underscore two one two. If Gertz loses this title, is it the worst championship collapse of all time? Honestly, yeah. He is it? 20, is it though? He was twenty six points up with with five motos to go. Yeah, and bad. he hasn't had a bike problem. He hasn't had an injury. He literally just had to not screw up. Just had a brain fart. Um, uh, duh, duh, duh. I can't think of another. I can't think of another one. Five motors to go. Twenty six points. That's a weird. That's a very strange question. Uh, Aaron Lewis two two five. It's been a while, you guys. Glad you're back. Any comment on Paul Malin stating that after hearing about Lewis's ability to drive a go-kart, he questioned whether or not Lewis could even qualify for a driver's license. He said this on air with JT. Lewis, you claim to be a great go-kart driver. Who's telling the truth? <laughs> Shots fired. What? So they actually mentioned Shot they actually mentioned fired. they actually mentioned me go-karting on TV. Wow. Anyone confirm this? I don't know. But shots fired. Did you watch Sweden? Uh, yeah, Probably but I, not. I, I, I usually have the volume turned down, to be honest. To oh. be fair. Well, that's a milestone in my life, if so. Wow. Um, Look at you go. I'm quite good in a go-kart. I know, you keep telling everybody. Yeah, I'm really quite good in a go-kart. Outdoor, not indoor. I, yeah. I'm not built for that. We're going to Fruxton. So... Out, outdoor, I'm pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I, I impress myself. We're going to get the season done. And then you, me, Sean, and Wes are going to uh, Fruxton. We're going to literally just hire Fruxton for an afternoon. Well, I could do some with some practice for my Formula One debut. There we go. Is that uh, again on the, your video game? The same as your race team. 69 Harib underscore all sacked 69. Um, put a sound. Put a sound on how happy Gertz would be if he wins the championship. Hey. <laughs> Yay. Hey. Oh god. Franz underscore Ixt. Who is gonna be the biggest flop in 2023? Ooh. 
can't Ooh. even think of anyone. Mm. I don't feel like there is anyone who's a flop, is there? I feel like everyone's kind of doing what they, what they should be doing. Should be doing. Um, there's not really any new people coming back. I mean, in. people who expect Fernandez to win the championship are going to be disappointed. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I've got nothing. I'd have to think about it. Yeah, I'm I'm all out of that one. I I don't know. Um, Can I say Gert's not winning the title next year either would be a flop? I think so. I think so because you're basically he's not got Vial, which is who he's basically going toe to toe with for the last three years. So yeah, I guess you could say that. Hmm. I feel like we're banging on Gert so a little bit. Maybe I he's blown it. He has blown. I know. It. I know. But like. Pfft. Come on. I'm not being funny. If I was sat here right now and I've just given up a 15-point lead in one race, I'd be expecting you to criticise me. Yeah, true. And I'd be criticising myself. Yeah, true. Um, Right, let's wrap that up there. That is Liat Ask Vice. Anything? September the 1st, Thursday, all channels, at official Liat on social media, 2023 Liat line goes live. So keep an eye out for that. And thank you to Liat for their continued support. Right. Time for another advert. That was part two of the MX5 show presented by Scott Sports. The Softcon air protection range from Scott sets new standards in upper body protection and offers riders a revolutionary solution to staying protected whilst riding. Constructed using exclusive D30 protection plates for Scott protectors are low profile, soft and flexible to give you maximum comfort while riding. In the event of a crash, the D30 plates instantly go hard on impact, giving you the protection that you need when it counts. The Softcon air range also provides greatly increased airflow to the body. The breathable protection plates combined with strategically placed anti-moisture panels mean this body armor works hard to keep you cool and dry when the action heats up. All Scott upper body protectors are fully CE certified level one or level two. Protect what matters. Scott Sports, scott-sports.com. Thank you, of course, to Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Redfall, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. That's part two. We'll be back just after this ad break to discuss some rule changes for 2023 MXGP. See you in a bit. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 106 of the MX Vice Show. It's the final part. Thank you to... Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. 
As I mentioned, the final part of the MX Vice show is presented to you by Prox Racing Parts, who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more and get the same parts that Rick Elsinger used to race his way to the EMX 250 title. Obviously, um, those riders aren't on factory equipment, although it's an official Yamaha team, they aren't on factory equipment. So what do they do? What does the official Yamaha team do to bridge the gap and get their bikes as best to, as possible and as close to factory as possible at an affordable price because still a private team? They go to Prox's. Makes sense. BT Motorsport, the team that Lucas Conan currently rides for, where do they go? Prox. You see the similarities and the pattern here. And the fact is that they are using and buying the same products that you can yourself for your bike. Head to pro-x.com, use their parts finder, and on there, you can put in your bike, your make, model, your machine... Uh, doesn't matter what year it is, doesn't matter what model it is, doesn't matter what CC it is, blah, 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 nothing matters. Put in your bike, you will find many results, many options for your bike. Cost effective, best quality. It is honestly a game changing experience shopping with Prox, and I could not recommend it any more than I just have. Prox Racing Parts. Um, right, James. Lewis. Have you enjoyed this podcast being back? Absolutely, yeah. It's been nice, actually. I've enjoyed the break, and uh, it's good to uh, be doing this. That's good. I'm glad. I mean, you only had, like, what, two, three months off this year? so Yeah, it's not bad, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, that was because I was gravely ill, Lewis. I'm just happy, happy to be back fully functioning. I haven't seen any uh, doctor reports or anything. You say that, but... Uh, what you'll need to learn, Lewis, is that COVID, you even said there isn't even enough data yet for long COVID. Not enough data, I was told by the the team of specialists I had rallying around me. No, well, that's actually what Prado told me as well. Yeah, it's not, but there, also there isn't enough data. It's, I also it's got so told new. that they. I also got told that they they couldn't do anything for you, which kind of tells me that they went, man, he's fine. Well, every test that came back said that I was a superb athlete. Um, exactly. So actually, uh, pretty much they said fishy uh, of a man fishy. of my age. Um, literally, you've got the body of a twenty-three-year-old. Ah, their words, not mine. So, right. Um, let's talk about some changes that could potentially cut be coming for uh, for twenty twenty-three. Um, Heavily rumoured in France, obviously not confirmed, so who knows, things could change, but I think these things are happening. Um, first of all, um, EMX 250, current age rule is 23, looks like it's going to be cut to 21, so you're 21 and you're out of there. I like that, a positive first step. I could have, I would have also been happy with something much more drastic, like... 19 or 20 or getting rid of emx 250 altogether but i can accept and i'm happy with changing it to 21 if that is the way they go yeah yeah oh, 
Brilliant. Thank you for that. No, no, no. Twenty-one is 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 a good age. I, I'm happy that the two fifty is still in. The reason being is that um, obviously, as we all know, it's three hundred euros. There's a, a huge debate, you know, a huge debate about you know paying thousand euros to to three hundred. For me, um, if if you're going to be riding that level and you can't afford a thousand pound entry fee, then possibly it's probably not the right right thing for you. Um, but the fact that it's only three hundred dollars, uh, sorry, three hundred euros. And um, it gives people a, a good opportunity to experience what EMX 250 is. And we've seen multiple riders um, switch from EMX 250 to podium in, and, and top fives in MX2. The, we, we know the level of EMX 250 is high. So um, again, 21, um, it puts more emphasis on, on the age rule for 23 in MX2. I would like to see that increase to 25 personally um now that they got the 21 in in, in the mx250 that gives them four years to win an mx2 um world championship what are your thoughts i don't like so obviously i tweeted this at the weekend when i heard the rumor i didn't like the negativity around going people going oh well if what happens if you're 21 you should still be allowed to race in a european championship yeah go and race in the british championship the dutch championship the french championship the spanish championship they're all in europe you don't belong in MXGP. If you are 21 and you have not made it, as in got sponsors for the future, got interest from a team for the future, or are putting in the results to warrant either of those things, I'm sorry, it does not look like you have got a future in the sport. And you know what? You're a late bloomer. Go to the national championships. Grind your way up from there because you've had an opportunity on the world's biggest platform and... Truth be told, by the time that they're 21, they would have been in EMX 250 for four years. Yeah. If you haven't come good by then, I'm sorry. It's time to get out of there. This is a world championship. Not everyone gets to have a go. For some reason, that thinking is really coming into this even more and more. Um, I thought that, I, when I thought you said that by that, saying that... I was thinking of uh, this is not a participation sport. <laughs> If I feel like I feel like every time I say that it's something that the world would agree with, but yeah. apparently not no. for some reason. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, but like if you're 21 and you are finishing 17th in EMX 250, I don't like your odds of having a career in motocross. The maybe you can have a nice career making some money in the French Championship, sure, but I don't like your odds of becoming an MX2 star. I, I think we have to look at this, you know. You have to look at this and, and understand this is a world championship. These are the 40 best riders that participate in a 20-round championship in the world. In a world of billions and billions of people, these are 40 of the best. It's not It's not a participation sport. It's not. This is the elite <laughs> of the elite. So I think you have you to. You want to know what? You want to know what? If you are that 17th place EMX 250 rider, you're doing yourself no good floundering around in the lower half of the top 20. You want a future in this sport? What you need to do is sack up, find an extra 700 euros, which let's be honest, not that hard. Go into MX2 and race there and prove your worth because as I've said to a few people, you would be surprised how well you do in MX2 if you are... 17th in EMX250 and you're 21, you would be surprised how well you do in MX2. Yeah. You would be surprised. So give it a go. But sitting in EMX250 continuously, not going to help anything. 
No. Just beating your head against a wall. Take a chance on yourself. It's worth it. Trust me, because you'll get some attention. You can really, you can't tell me that you can't go to some local sponsors and go, I want to enter MX2. Can I have 100 euros? <laughs> the one thing stopping me is 700 euros. It's not 700 euros. It's not. So I, I appreciate that everybody, you know, I've seen online and I talk to people and 300 euros makes it affordable for everybody. If you cannot afford 700 euros at that level, honestly, motorsports are expensive. You shouldn't be doing it. Play football, play cricket. Um, if you've heard of that, uh, I wouldn't recommend it. It's, it's shit. But um, there are other stuff. There is other bits and pieces. Go to Frexton, go to EMX 250 is a, is a good platform if you were a top 10 EMX rider looking to who is basically on the team ladder but if you are a privateer emx 250 rider you're better off trying your luck at a couple because obviously you don't want to do a full emx 250 season so maybe instead of doing 10 emx 250 races relocate that budget to doing six mx2 races you're better off going into mx2 and giving it a good go giving a rider like like liam everts fits for free laps something and getting your name out that way because if you're not on the team ladder already and you're floundering in 20 if an emx 250 then you're not going to get on the radar that way so get out of there get out of your comfort zone take a chance on yourself and you'll get yourself on the radar you can't just sit in there and expect to land on the radar i'm afraid no and the other thing as well is like i don't want to turn this to a rant but that if if you're 17th in EMX 250 and you're at that point with like you know what am I doing? If you're 17th in EMX 250, you're probably top five in MX2 class in your own nation, in your own in your own country. So it's like if there's only eight rounds of the British, and get your ass over to to, to Holland uh, and Belgium and do six rounds uh, of their championship. You know, try because what you what you're doing is you're putting yourself in a shop window of another championship with all the brands which are situated around that area, they are the guys who are going to be at the GPs. You're not going to speak to those guys sat in, in, in Britain, you know, France, you know, a lot of money, uh, you know, a fantastic federation. You need to go and sample these places. That's where the, the fast riders who haven't made it into the world championships. That's where they're, that's where they are. But, you know, it's it's not rocket science. None of this is rocket science. I would sum up what I'm saying in this way. If you've reached 21 and you're still just having a go at EMX 250, the definition of insanity is beating your head against a wall. No. It is, the that is insanity, a definition, yeah. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Yeah. So take that little push and take a chance on another path and it may just work out. But there's so many riders in EMX 250 that it's easy to get lost in the chaos of it all. And, and so many riders, as in, again, I can't emphasize this enough, billions of people in the world, the top 40 250 EMX riders of Europe. You know, it, it, there's something to be said about that. You know, you're, you're in elite competition. This is not your local club championship. Run over. I would like to see as well as the 21 age rule i would like to see a rule that once you have won five emx 250 overalls 
you're then out the following season. Absolutely. Like a kind of like an expert's points thing where you've basically if you've won if you've won five rounds in EMX two fifty I don't care if you've been injured so your championship results haven't been that good. You're ready to go. Yeah, right? it's get time up, to get you out. Sandbagger. Um, I'd actually be interested to go back through and see how many riders won that many of rounds. I might actually do some good research on this over the weekend because that, that excites me. Mm. It's kind of like a passion project of mine, this. Yeah, do it. Do it. I've, I've, I've obviously been yelling about this all year. So. Rubini will come out there. Mm, I don't know. No, why would he? Because he had a really good... To EMX 250 season, and he went up to MX2, and then he came back down to EMX 250. No, and then won he the never. He never. He was never in EMX 250 the first time. Was he not? Nope. He went. What, from so he went straight into MX2. I thought he had yep. a few stints in EMX 250. Nope. Hmm. He went straight from EMX. He went from EMX 125 to MX2, back down to EMX 250, and then back to MX2. So he's he's been in the MX 250 twice, hasn't he? No, I've just said he went from EMX 125 to MX2. Then MX2 to EMX250 and back to MX2. Oh, God, that, I was convinced he was on EMX250 twice. Was that for Asimoto or something? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's not surprising that you're wrong. I mean, I know. I, I, I don't, I'm not no one's expecting that you to. I'm not that shocked. I just thought maybe he was, he'd done it twice. But you're the guy. You're the guy. Um, no, it's uh, interesting. Interesting. It will be a good rule. I don't think it's going to make a massive change, but if anything, I hope that it shifts the thinking a little bit and makes people think differently because they can't just go, ah, well, you're 17 now, so worst case, you're racing EMX 250 for six years. Maybe someone will go, okay, we've only got four years to execute this EMX 250 plan, so maybe we should already start planning if we need to find an alternative route, i.e., let's hit some MX2 GPs early and kind of try and get our name out there early or whatever. I don't care what your plan is. Let's just think differently, everyone. Um, that, by the way, is your Planet Moto bombshell of the week. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better. Thanks to the guys at Planet Moto Holidays. You can secure your spot for the upcoming 2022-2023 season. Uh, Off-season, that would be. in On planetmoto.co or the Planet Moto Holidays Instagram account. Uh, many options for you to consider there. Planet Moto Holidays, of course, but the Planet Moto Academy. Uh, if you're looking for something a little more structured to prepare yourself for the racing season, if you are one of those national championship riders just referred to. Um, so yeah, plenty going on at Planet Motor Holidays. An experience of a lifetime. You could ride tracks like Red Sand and live life to the full. And the biggest perk of all of this, if you're from the UK or other countries, they will drive to the UK, pick up your personal bike, and then take it to Spain for you, and you can fly in. So um, probably the worst thing about other holiday companies is you have to ride rental bikes. Um but having been able to ride in Spain with your own personal bike, I feel, is a opportunity too good to be missed. So don't miss it. Planetmoto.co and Planet Motor Holidays on social media would be my bet, my, my advice. Um, also on the cards for next year, less, less confident about this rumor, but I did hear it from two people. EMX Open could, I don't think it's a done deal, but it could maybe be axed. Again, all for that. Why do we need a 450 class in GPs? We don't. We've yeah, got I've, one. We've I've got heard, one of those. I've heard the saying. I've heard that. And the, the problem is, is there's they need to make that decision soon because a lot of teams are actually trying to sign EMX Open riders. Well, um, I know where you heard it from because I, I know, and I know where they heard it from. Mm -hmm. 
It, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting. It's an it's an interesting one. It's not going to change. If they, at the at the very core of it, MXGP doesn't need an additional 450 class. It right. doesn't. It, you can't make. You can't convince me of that at all. Here's a question um, for you, Lewis. Right? You scrap the EMX um, Open class. Yeah. Does that put more riders into MXGP? If there's nowhere else to go, this is the this is the question. Um, and I, I, th- I think I might know the answer to this. If you scrap the MX Open, will that see an extra 15, 20 people in, in the MXGP class? No. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think it will it, at all. It will see two to five extra wild cards yeah. at mainland Europe races. Agreed. 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 Uh, yeah, and we're, if we we're... can add... And let's not forget, I think this is a crucial point to remember here, as far as entries go, MX2 is suffering more than MXGP and needs more help. MXGP is not in as dire a situation as MX2. So adding, if you added five wild cards to MXGP in France, you would then have 29 riders, and that sounds... I was... I wouldn't... I don't want to say acceptable, but that at least doesn't sound like a complete disaster. See... The, the thing I would like to add, this, this is the, the it, when people keep going on about money and, you know, there's, you know, riders not earning money, then you've got to pay a thousand pound entry fees. What I would like to, um, to come into this, if they do get rid of the MX Open, then make five um, wildcard places available for that country where people can enter for 300 euros in MXGP. Now- I don't know the exacts on. Uh, well, actually, I see. I didn't hear this, but when I did the pod, don't let me finish this before interrupting with no, a stupid. No, I, joke. I will keep my mouth shut. Yep. I didn't hear this, but when I did the podcast with Adam Wheeler this week, he said that he's heard that to wildcard at a GP will only cost three hundred euros. Well, that makes common sense. I not. I haven't heard that, so I have no idea where he got it from. Whether it's a good source, but I heard. Yeah, he said that. The, the entry fee will be reduced for wild cards at events across the season, which yeah. changes the game completely because that's, then that's maybe you do get 10 EMX open riders. Yeah, that's strong. For me, that is just the most common sense thing I've ever heard. Well, wait, hold on. So it's 10 grand to enter a rider for the whole season. Yeah. Uh, say it's 300 for a wild card. No, that can't be right because that's cheaper than entering for a whole season so you may as well just wild card your way through the year yeah but that's where like what you're saying is like it's 300 euros if you wild card your own country i'm not confident he said 300 euros maybe he said more um the but one, he definitely said reduced the one thing which i'm interested in right is that we know that infront's been through a couple of really rocky years with covid like that has an effect that's not just had an effect on infront that's had an effect on every championship every you know, every kind of event company in the world, right? So that's, you know, shit went went south quite quickly for everybody. Um, by axing um, EMX um, for Potentially. Yeah, potentially. Um, I'm just wondering where they're going to get extra money from because that generates around about £24,000 uh, or €24,000 per round. So if there's only four rounds, that's still €100,000 that's coming into the championship through um entry fee so i'm just wondering like obviously they're doing the maths um they must be coming up with right okay we're gonna ax if we do access open we've got a deficit of a hundred thousand how do we get that back uh, they're fine they would make 
fifty percent of that in wild cards. You'd think. But that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that they took that as a you know a, a business case and said, right, okay, how do we regenerate that hundred thousand back into MXGP? That's what that's. That's kind of what, where I, I would, as a business person looking at it, that's how I would make this work. Is Because if you've got 20 ranks um, and you've got five wildcard GPs at 300 euros, then you're, you're, you're getting close to that already. EMX Open is in Turkey. That's exciting. Hmm. Just no one, no one wants EMX Open. No one wants care. EMX Open in, in EMX Open in Turkey does not work. EMX no Open anywhere. in no France or Italy or Great Britain, it would work. Now, actually, I don't want to contradict myself. I have said since EMX Open was introduced that it could work if it was branded correctly. However, I think since then, the entries for the premier classes have taken such a dive that we now need to... I think I, yeah, I, put, it, I, think I put it best on Twitter when I said... Look, first, no. we need to simplify the structure because as long as the structure is a problem... We're never going to be able to pinpoint what the true issues are. Once the structure is more correct, 21 age rule for EMX 250, no EMX open, that will shine a greater light on where the true issues lie. Right. So that's good. Yeah. Look, fr from my point of view and, and, and listening to people and, and, and putting some common sense on this, if, if somebody is doing um, the EMX open because it's cheaper by spending 300 euros, don't host it in Russia, don't host it in Latvia, and don't host it in Turkey. Because, Jesus Christ, the cost of doing those rounds. That's what I'm saying. You could have a very, very successful EMX Open Championship based on six, like Italy, France, Belgium, Holland, you know, those types of, those types of places, UK. Very, it, it becomes a lot cheaper. Uh, and then what happens is it starts to become a feeder championship for MXGP. It's not going to be the top 10 are going to be going to MXGP. It will be the top three or five. But they're going to be pushed because the quality of riders going in there. Then suddenly you've got EMX250 supplying MX2. You've got the feeder from the 125 anyway, which we know is strong. But what you've got is that MXGP class is that you've got that possible top three or pushed all year, which then the top three have to go MXGP the year after. All I'm saying is that, you know, reducing it to 300 euros then, and then putting rounds on like they've previously done killed the series. Because people are excited about, oh, actually, I can go and do European races. I'm not going to get lapped four times by hurlings and get in the way for a whole race where I'm constantly looking over my back. But what I can do is I can actually um, do a four or five round, uh, you know, championship that's, that's quite cost effective. It's putting me in a shop window and hopefully I can race against, you know, like the Harry Kudises and, and, and people like that within that championship. All you need is one or two people <laughs> to start. That? All you need is one or two people to start congregating back to being MXGP and MX2 wildcards, and the rest will follow. Because right now, the biggest issue isn't cost, it isn't anything like that. The biggest issue is why would I wildcard in MXGP when I'm going to be riding around completely by myself in 24th? Well, that's the... no one. So once a no couple TV. of people go, <laughs> once once twenty, you know, no, but not that aside. Why? Like it's basically a practice day because there's no depth from twentieth back. So there once isn't. a couple, once a couple of them go to be a wild card, and suddenly the battles from twenty second to twenty sixth are a little more intense. Other people will go. Well, I'll go get involved in that battle, and then that will grow and grow and grow until we have full gates again. Yeah, I I agree. I, like if we we agree on something, and I think it's common sense. Like I I genuinely can, I, I 
you know, it's common sense. It's business practical. It it works. Um, I I hope that you know. I doubt if they listen to this this podcast show, but I hope that they kind of take some of the stuff has been said this year on board because it will make the championship better. It will make the championship stronger. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, well, no, I'm I'm just like you know every other fan i'm I'm just so interested in silly season and how this is going to work out i mean there's so many um you know we're, we're deep deep into august now we're coming into september and usually we've got like announcements on a lot of the riders and it feels like there is going to be no announcements there is going to be no rides it's like it feels like um there's not much going on because there weren't that many riders on the market. So no, year, but it's like we don't know what teams are staying. We don't know what teams are going. We we constantly hear so many rumors. Um, well, SM Action are going. I'm pretty sure still. Yeah, one one four. Yeah, they, well, everyone knows that. Yeah. So, um, did you, you know, we don't know what's happened with Jackie. Um, you well, know, I'm, cert- I'm almost certain he'll be an MX2 team. So, like, even if I just look at, um, I, I, we ain't got time for that. But what? I'm just interested in in, in where are Bonacorsi? Where is Bonacorsi? Bonacorsi going to go? Where is Jacoby going to be going? Yes, yes. You know, just the, don't picture you sat at home at night going. Oh, I just, I just, I just need to know where Bonacorsi is going to go. Bonacorsi is a massive talent. Had a little just, bit of a wobble just, lately, but he's just won. He won not too long ago. Was it EMX one two five championship? Did, was he, he not, won that at twenty twenty in Lommel? If you yeah. want to start talking about that again. Yeah. But uh, again, it's like, you know, a, a great talent. I just I just can't imagine you sat at home at night. I'm a, I'm, a, a, I'm a huge fan of Bonacorsi. I love a glass of scotch. Brandy. Head in your hands. Brandy. Head in your hands going. Cavorsier. I just, I, just, I just need to know what Bonacorsi is going to do. I just, I, I, I need to know. I need to know. I just can't picture that. Mm. Well, little do you know me. You think you know me, but little do you know me. Right. That is the final part of the MX Vice show, and it was brought to you by Prox, racing parts who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox racing parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements that all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Uh, and I forgot to tell you that support for MX Vice is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched for Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code MXVICE, all caps, one word, at manscaped.com. That's MXVICE, all caps, one word, M-X-V-I-C-E, M for motocross, X for xylophone, V for Victor, I for igloo, C for Christmas. E for elephant. I think um, if uh, a psychologist analysed what you just come up with, then um, it would paint a very vivid picture of you. Right. Um, thank you, James Burfield. Thank you, Liz Phillips. 
Thank you to Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. I'm Lewis Phillips, your host. Whoa, whoa, we'll be whoa, back. whoa. Before anybody goes, uh, quick announcement. Fox Hills this weekend, Swindon for the VMXDN is going to be awesome. Yeah. Don't think someone's going to get to the end of this two-hour podcast by then. I reckon you're oh, a bit Jesus late on that. Christ, they've missed out. Um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, and also, uh, I will be in Turkey. So um, I'm looking forward to next week's show, and we can break down Turkey. Well, no, next week's show, we'll be looking ahead to Turkey. Yes, we'll be breaking down <sighs> Thank what you, is going to Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you to the sponsors. Thank you to everyone, far and wide. I love everyone. I'm Lewis Phillips, your host. We will see you next week. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better, and you can still experience that right now. Planet Moto still have packages available, plus customizable options with the Planet Moto Academy. If you want to hit the tracks like Red Sand as soon as possible, visit planetmoto.co for more information. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. You are listening to the MX Vice Show.